0: How you doing today? Good man. I like that. I love I love 10:30 service. Everybody's awake, caffeinated, rejuvenated, ready to go, right? Do me a favor in Phoenixville. Do you know we have people watching in Montgomeryville as well? Do you know that? Let's do a let's do let's do a journey church welcome. Let's welcome them at Montgomeryville as well. What's up, everyone? Good to be with you today. Man, it is it is it's good to be in church. Next week, next week, one of the biggest. Opportunities we have as a church uh, to invite people is is next Sunday, right? And so uh, it's Halloween Sunday. How many of you know that? Halloween Sunday. You shouldn't because you're a Christian. And so we don't celebrate Halloween. And so, anyway, but it's Halloween. And so for years, uh, churches have tried to do things. Uh, without losing their soul to the Halloween monster, right, uh, at church. And so, for instance, when I was a kid, we did something called the Halloween, or not, sorry, not, not how the Fall Festival. You guys ever been to a Fall Festival where you didn't dress up in ghost costumes, Harry Potter, Pokemon, none of that demonic stuff, Right. No, no, you dressed up like Moses, right, or, or a disciple, or, or blind Bartimaeus, or something like that. So you dressed up as wholesome. So we did fall festival. Uh, now churches do something called trunk or treat, really cool, being creative. What I have found, in my own opinion, is for us... A lot of times you do an event like that, it actually competes with the Sunday morning instead of complimenting it. So we have found the best way to do an event at church, the biggest event we do is church on Sunday. So let's, let's make Sunday morning as easy as possible to invite somebody who has never been to church before. How do you do it on the Halloween. You tell them their kids can wear their $75 costume twice, right? And so they can wear it at nighttime, and they can come to church, and they will get all sorts of candy next week. Our host team, our parking lot team, our, our kids team, our, everybody's going to be dressed up. It's become a tradition at our church. Kids wear their costumes. It's on actual Halloween. That's like the perfect storm, right? And so on Halloween. And so make sure, if, even if you don't have kids, Stop and get one of the greet and treat invites at both of our campuses, man. Invite somebody to come, come to church. And that, that's why that's why we do it. We, we give candy to your kids every week. That's why we've hooked. Them. That's how we've hooked them, right? And so we just make. Do you when they leave out the door? Did you realize this? The last thing they see is what, candy. a bucket of candy. That is there for a reason. We want the last memory of the church to be, this place is awesome. They give me stuff my parents don't want me to have, right? And so, but next Sunday, they're going to get so much candy, invite their friends, man. It's going to be a great time. Even if, even if you invite somebody, they can't come. Man, fill your car with kids. Fill, fill your car with, with kids. Can, can, are you with me? Yeah. Not, if you're a single dude, you don't fill, but I'm talking about a married, because <laughs> one single guy's like, yeah, right? Married, no kid, No, no. But if you're married people, you're going Okay anyway let's go week number one sermon series influencers how many of you ever heard the term influencer all all of you some of you 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 you've taken part in this and uh some of you are older and you're like this is ridiculous right people are making money building a platform selling a product that somebody else gives them knowing if i give this person a product other people will want to do it. Some of you older people, like, how many of you are like that's ridiculous that they make? There's some them, they make millions of dollars here. Some of you are just jealous. Let's be honest, yeah. right? The truth is, people been making money doing silly things forever. My grandma, she loved bingo. May have a grandma love bingo. She used to go to the fire hall. Bingo, bingo person would be there and yell numbers. Yell bingo, right? Uh, she used to love it. The, the average bingo manager, the person who runs the bingo, right? Can make about $45,000 a year doing bingo in real, real, real places. But the ones that are the best of the best, guess how much they make a year? Average, $100,000 a year. Yeah, college schmollage, right? <laughs> right, Bing, bingo. Let me give you some more that I think is later. New York, New York City hot dog vendor, right? Like you would see them be like, uh, you know, especially before COVID, cool, cool gig, but how much money do you really make? The average New York City hot dog vendor pulls in $100,000 a year. The best of the best, $300,000 selling fake meat, right? $300,000. I just went to a wedding yesterday. Uh, you know, there's a career you can have now. It's called a, you're a rented bridesmaid. So in case you have friends, you're like, they're going to ruin my wedding, right? <laughs> She's not going to look good. She's going to ruin my picture. She's not going to know when to give me my veil. She's always a mess. She can't even keep track of her phone, right? You can hire somebody, an, uh, an expert in being a bridesmaid, right? They'll, they'll put your flowers right. They'll do your hair right. They'll, they'll make the right speech. If you let them make a speech, they'll look right. Like you can, you can even look at pictures and a bio before you hire them. They make an average of $95,000 a year, right? $95,000. My favorite funny job, being one of those people that go into the pond and get the golf balls. Anybody golf in here? I don't golf anymore because I want to be a Christian. And I found that I lose my religion when the balls go in the pond, right? I've hit so many balls in the pond. Well, some people have made it a living diving into the pond and picking them back, back, back up and reselling them. The average person, the best of the best, makes close to $150,000 a year selling our mistakes. So let's not, listen, let's not hate on the fact that somebody gets a platform where they can sell something to us, right? And the company that knows they can sell it, they, they, they give them a kickback because that's been happening forever, I remember when I was in college, and NSYNC, a little band called NSYNC, came on the scene. And two of the five band members dyed their hair blonde, right? And all the girls liked them, right? Looking back, probably a waste of time with one of them. But, uh, (laughs) just want to see if you're with me. But, like, I I, I remember in college, me and, like, four of the guys were like, you know what we should do? Let's dye our hair blonde. That'll get the girls, right? So we all dyed our hair blonde. We had, you know, we, we used to drive around. One of my friends had a had a, a Mustang. We used to put the windows down in the sun. We would blare "Bye Bye Bye" and have blonde hair. And they're such dorks, right? But influence—they they influence, make you do things that you probably wouldn't do. I remember like some good influences in my life. When I was 13 years old, I went to this event called Promise Keepers, uh, with a bunch of overweight, beer belly dudes from boyer town. Old, older men. And uh, I, I remember uh, up to that point, church for me was something my parents did and it was for girls. This is what I thought. There's flowers on the stage. We sang Jesus is my girlfriend worship songs. You know what I'm talking about? Sounds like you're on a date with Jesus instead of attacking the gates of hell. You know what I'm saying? And so. And, and, and I just remember as a third, I'm like, church is stupid, but I, I went to this event. We traveled on this, this charter bus down to RFK Stadium. We were, we were at there. 70,000 men were at the stadium, and, and there was this preachers, and these guys were there that I, had, I was friends with some of their kids, and so we were teenagers, and we were watching them, and it started to rain. Now, if you're at a girls' event, and it starts to rain, they cancel it, right? Because there's no cover, it's like no. We're gonna do this some other day. We're gonna have a rain date. What do you think happens when it rains and there's seventy thousand, right, beer belly dad bod dudes singing about Jesus? Let me tell you what happened. I remember thirteen years old. I'm like, Are they gonna cancel this? It's kind of cold, right? All of a sudden, I turned down the road. I remember their names, Ted, Dave. I'm not going to give you their last names, but Ted and Dave, people that I've seen my entire life. All of a sudden, they got their shirts off, right? They're waving them towards Jesus in the air with their hand. And and at that moment, I realized, following Jesus, dudes can do it. I was like, I didn't know you could be a guy like that. Like that, right? And and I'm telling you right now, it influenced my life from that day forward influence is, is powerful. In fact, I would say it like this. There, there is nothing that is a better goal for your life as a follower of Christ than having your life be influential. Amen. You want to turn around at the end of your life. It's not about stuff. It's not about acquisitions. It's not about accomplishments. It's not about money and possessions. You want to turn around at the end of your life, and you want to see a line of people that you have influenced to the point where they're following Jesus Christ. So, I want to talk to you about the power of influence. You see, we don't, we don't sell Jesus, we, we share him. And we're encouraged over and over and over again with that goal, right? Watch what it says in Colossians chapter 4. Paul writes to his church that he started in, Col- in the city of Colossae, he says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. What does he say? Make the most of every opportunity. Be influential in the way that you act towards people that are not yet here. We know this is significant because another pastor of another church in Jerusalem says the same thing. Peter says, and in 1 Peter 2, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. In in other words, people are going to look at you and think you're weird. They should. Though they think you're weird and think you're odd, they continue to see the influence of your life, and on the day Jesus comes, they're thanking God, and they're thanking you for leading him to him. Like, your life should look like that, and here is the, the, the ticket. Like, here is, this is going to, this is going to, this is something you need to remember for the rest of the time. We're going to spend five weeks in this sermon series. It's so important, this thought. You ready for it? Influence in your life is not given, uh, uh, it's gained. It's not its not something that you're given. You're given an inheritance. You're given a title. You ever meet somebody that has a title, but they're not a leader? You ever meet somebody who's a boss that you don't want to follow? Because titles, you can be given. Influence is gained. You can be given inheritance. You can be given an opportunity. But you can only gain influence in your life. So what I want to do is I want to spend the next five weeks working you through what I would call the five I's of influence. I didn't make them up. I found an article on Google. Had five eyes. I said, that's a sermon series, right? It all starts with an I. I'm type A. This makes sense. Let's go. So we're going to talk about the five eyes of influence. Next week, we're going to take a look at the I. It's interconnection or building relationships. Influence is birthed through close relationships. Importance, information, inspiration. You probably aren't even thinking that far in advance, but today is really important. The eyes integrity. Integrity. I want you to think about how ridiculous of what you're trying to sell people is. How big of a change you're trying to bring into somebody's life. You need to lay down all of your own habits. Lay down the things you do that are hurting you. Come to church. Change. Follow Christ. Be different than the world. Raise your kids differently. As outsiders that can influence insiders. Insiders you're gonna think different you're gonna have different opinions you're gonna have different thoughts you're gonna be going somewhere different let's go it's so good what you're trying to sell them right and then you look at them and you're like and they see you and they're like yeah but but your life doesn't look much different than my life like when you get into stress you act just like i do when i get into stress when you park you park the same way I park. When you're at a restaurant, you act the same way that I act. When you talk, when you're having, like, when you talk the same way that I talk, and I know what you want me to do, but what I see you do, and doesn't look like it's that good, nah. See, the interesting thing about integrity and why it's so important is I want to work you through what I call the integrity equation. Influence is earned in your life by building trust with other people. You, you understand it takes years to build trust. It takes a moment to lose it. That's why some people you ask to come to church after you've been coming for a few weeks, are like, no. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch this because I've, I've watched you join gyms. I've watched you load up on oils and get me to load up on oils. I've watched you change this. And what I've noticed about your life is you change things all the time, but you don't really ever change. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait and see this and see how it goes. And if you do it for a long period of time, guess what you get? You get trust. Trust is earned through consistency. And consistency is the simplest definition of integrity. The simplest definition. And actually, there's a a math term. It's called integer, right? Don't, Don't look at me like I'm smart. Taylor told me this. And so... But integer means a whole number. It, it, that's where we get integrity from. You, you are who you are, who you are. You're who you are when no one's watching. You're who you are at church. You're who you are when you're driving. You are who you are. If you want influence, you have to earn trust. Trust is earned through consistency. Consistency is the simplest definition of integrity. I want to show you this in the life of Christ as we kind of build this, build this together. Because what I found is most people are not. I'm not talking about perfection, by the way. What I'm talking about is the desire to become more and more like Christ. It's called holiness. I want my life. I want my attitude. I want my heart. I want my marriage. I want the way I drive. I want everything to look more and more and more and more like Jesus. Why? Because people are watching me. My life is on display, and I want to have influence and pull them towards Jesus. And I want to show you this story about Jesus. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, I I talked to you about the baptism of Jesus. You guys remember that? I said, Jesus, we don't know much about the first 30 years, just a few things. We know a lot about your 30 to 33. We know he died when he was 33. We know about different elements of his life, different miracles. We know before he started his ministry on this earth, that he was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. We know that heaven's opened up. And the voice of God said, This is my son whom I'm well pleased, which I told you is foundational to being success, su- successful in your walk with Christ. And, and here's why you're, you're going to go, it's not going to get easier, it's going to get harder when you follow Christ. Like for Jesus, he's going to leave the, the Jordan River, and people are going to get mad at him. They're going to get angry at him. They're going to abandon him. They're going to wipe their hands of him. They're going to be disappointed in him. And he's going to consistently go back to the Jordan River. And what is he going to hear? You're my son, I'm well pleased. You're not living for the approval of man. You're you're approved before you've ever done anything. It's really, really important. Some of you have never felt the approval of God, and you live like you're searching for it. Constantly asking somebody to applaud you, like you, see you. That's why you can't do anything without anybody not knowing that you did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, before you do it, you're like, how can I pose for social media to put this on? that's how you know you're not living fully approved because when you're living fully approved you are fully aware that his eyes are on me that he's a rewarder of my life and I'm just going to trust him I'm going to do the right things I'm going to put my life in his hands what you don't know maybe about the life of Christ as soon as he comes out of the water the Bible says that he goes for 40 days in the wilderness and he fasts and he's tempted by Satan and here's why this is so important before you handle a public platform you first need to be successful in private. Before you can handle what God wants, you ever see like somebody in your life, you've seen it, Like people, they get, they get big platforms and God does big things and then they mess it all up. How do they mess it all up? Before you can handle the big things God wants to do in your life, you need to find success when nobody's watching. Watch what the Bible says in Matthew chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Why'd you even say it? We already know it, right? I didn't eat breakfast, I'm hungry. Like he's, he's hungry. Like okay, Thank you, Matthew, right? And so the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread, right? If I haven't eaten for 40 days, this is an easy test for me. I'm not making bread, I'm making steak right there. But he says, make it bread. Jesus is written, he says, it is written, Man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down for it is written. So here Satan starts to use the word of God. It's written. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in his hands so you will not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus answers him, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came. What was going on? Well, he's trying to get Jesus. In the simplest definition possible, take the easy way out. I'll give you the kingdom. You're about to go to the cross because you're going to start a kingdom not of this earth. But that's going to cost you everything. So instead of going there, instead like, let. Let's just cut a corner here because he knows if he cuts a corner here, he'll never get to where God wants him to go, which is the salvation of all mankind. Cut a corner. This is the problem with integrity. In our world where we constantly are under the assumption about our reputation, reputation, build your reputation, build your reputation, build your reputation. What's your reputation? It's what other people see when they're looking at you. Your integrity is who you really are. Your integrity is what allows you to have influence in your life. So let me just give you four thoughts that I think Jesus would have struggled here with that I've struggled in my own life with. Here's moments in my life where if I'm being honest with you, I allowed my integrity, my wholeness to be taken from me. Number one is this, is oftentimes I'll sell out my integrity when I'm tired. When when I'm tired. Think about it. Why didn't you go to the gym this week? Was your leg broke? What, what did you tell yourself? Come on, work with me. What'd you say to yourself? I'm tired. I'm not sore. I'm not staying home and praying and fasting, right? I'm tired. Why did you yell at your kids the way you spoke to your kids? Why did you lose your temper? Well, two reasons. They're dumb. <laughs> What's the real reason? I'm tired. How come you you and your spouse got into a fight this week and you said things that you don't mean to them? And even though you said them, you justified them by saying what? I'm tired. I'm so exhausted, and when I'm exhausted, I just say whatever I want to say. In this moment, answer me this: what do you think Jesus is dealing with? You think he was tired? He hadn't eaten for 40 days. His body is malnourished. His mind is tired, right? Satan always likes to come because he's an opportunist when we're tired. And what does he say? Cut a corner. You haven't eaten for 40 days. Turn this rock into bread. It's just bread. It's not even a steak. It's not even a big, it's just bread. Make bread. And oftentimes I've seen in my own life, if I'm being honest with you, The moments where I give up my integrity and I lose my influence and my ability to be consistent, oftentimes my excuse would be, I'm I'm tired. I remember 2005, uh, we we started this church. Two years later, we got a building given to us, and I had a baby. I didn't have it. My wife did. And so uh, I want to clarify that. She had a baby. It wasn't a trap baby. Somebody told me about a trap baby. A trap baby is when you have a good baby and think all babies are like that, and your next one you're like, I should stop that one. My first baby was not a trap baby. My first baby was a warning baby. <laughs> he was a lot. We didn't do anything. We didn't put him on a schedule. We were just trying to figure it out the first couple weeks. In the middle of it, we're renovating a building in Limerick and spending literally Monday through Friday in this building. Oftentimes. My wife would come uh, and she would bring our baby in a carrier and we would set him in the middle of the auditorium and he would just scream. He wasn't sleeping through the night. Uh, At the same time, we were were still having to have church because if we were going to get to this building and pay the bills, we had to have a church. And so we were doing church for about 35 people on Sunday mornings in my mom and dad's church in their youth room. And it was exhausting. I remember we would set up on Friday or, or Saturday most of the time because we would work on Friday, set up on Saturday morning, have church Sunday morning, tear down Sunday night, and go right back to it. And I would sit sometimes at nighttime in tears because I didn't know what I was doing in Limerick because I was doing electric work and I was not qualified. And I had a baby that wasn't sleeping, and I was exhausted, and I had a church that needed to be preached to. But there was only 35 people, and I'd be sitting in my house at at nighttime on my computer trying to come up with a sermon. And the thought constantly crossed my mind, just quit. Just download something. Just make something up. There's only 35 people there anyways. What do they even care? They're not going to be with you anyways. And what was the argument in my head? Why was it going to be okay? Because I'm what? tired don't worry about setting up the chairs straight you're building a culture for the future generations of your church about excellence and you're setting up these plastic chairs that only 35 people are going to sit in so the likelihood that anybody's butt is actually going to touch that chair on sunday is less than 50 percent because there's 100 chairs and only 35 people don't make them straight don't sweep up don't clean up don't do any of this it's okay because you're you're tired how many people have an affair when they're, when they're, when they're tired? Look at porn because you're, you're tired. Yell at your kids because you're, you're tired. Lose your integrity because you're tired. Cut corners. Cheat on taxes because you're tired. Not be the employee you're supposed to be because you're, you're tired. See, the cool thing is Jesus is our perfect example and we can go to him. And it's clear that in this situation, Jesus did not cave. If he didn't quit there, guess what? You don't got to quit here. You don't got to give in when you're tired. In fact, it says in Scripture, I love this passage. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God, what is he? He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So some of you are like, the devil made me do it, right? The devil got you there, but you did it because you were You were tired. No, what does he say? But when you are tempted, what does he do? He will also provide you a way out so that you can endure. What's the way out? The cross of Christ. He gives you grace. He gives you strength. He gives you endurance. He gives you the mercy. He gives you the faithfulness that you need to keep going when you're tired. Next time I see myself losing my integrity is when I'm by myself. See, we are under the, the, the false impression that who we are when everybody watching is the most important part of us. Who I am on this stage, this is, this, is, this is the most important part. As long as you think I got my life together, as long as you think I'm a person of integrity, as long as you're entertained by, by my message, then I'm doing all right. But that's my reputation, and it's pretty clear that God cares little about my reputation and more about who I am when, when no one's watching me. And so many times in my life, I have, I've switched apart or I've made the mistake, or I've come up short when I felt like nobody was watching me. You see, real integrity is being the same in private as you are in public. Think about what Satan said to Jesus. No one's here. No one's going to know. How are they going to know? No one one will know. No one will know if you make bread. No one will see if you cut corners. Nobody's here. It's not going to affect your following. They're not here. But Jesus was different. Jesus realized that who he was in private was also who he was in public, that he was one, that real integrity is doing the right thing no matter who is watching, that making decisions that you'll you'll make, that that you're okay with, that nobody will ever notice that you make. John Wooden said this. He said, the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one's watching him. See, my integrity has been tested the whole time I've been a pastor. I remember even earlier 2002 I was a kids pastor and that lasted for three years three long years <laughs> my very first job we had to set up and tear down in a room I set up and tear down for what felt like an eternity I went from three years of setting up and tearing down a children's church room to a youth room setting up for journey church and it has never stopped we went to the colonial theater we set up and we tore down we are always setting up and tearing down something and I remember in that room as I, I was setting up, and often was on Saturday as well because it was a borrowed room. I was setting up in this room, I was putting this, this styrofoam set that I had made, these puppets where I did puppets and all this is a whole nother story. And so, but as I was setting up, I would consistently hear from Satan, This, this doesn't matter. They're five year old kids, just give them candy. Wall, the wall you're doing, you're making straight, doesn't matter. You're vacuuming, why are you vacuuming? Their kids are gonna come in and terrorize this place tomorrow. The chair is making the chair straight, and I, I, I remember going back, "What's integrity?" Integrity is doing the right thing, even though no one is watching, and nobody even knows that you did it in the first place. Integrity. N- number three, let me give you three more, or two more. Sorry,' like three. Two more. Number three: when we're trying to live in the gray. This is what Satan does here. And i, I got to be honest with you. number one way I lose my integrity. I, I don't have a good conscience. You know, you know what that is? That's when you do something and then your your conscience or the Holy Spirit says, hey, you shouldn't do that, and you're like, it's fine. Like I just, for my whole life, I've been like I've been kind of a gray person. Like, like if you walk out of a restaurant or a store and you bought something, and, and they check you out. I'm a numbers guy, so I know how much it's gonna be. Right? And you know, like, oh, they didn't charge me for that, they should have charged you for that, and they didn't, and you get out of the into the store, like you're far out and live in the grave what's the grave that's a blessing i know i stole this because i didn't pay for it but that's their mistake and then i get all biblical like satan did here the, the, the wealth of the wicked will be stored up in the pockets of the righteous it says that somewhere in the bible that's living in the gray, right you 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 when when, when netflix came out and, and it was twenty dollars a month or whatever it was whatever it was when it first came out now i know it's twenty dollars a month or right around there and, and somebody gives you their 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 code right their password your mom's 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 dog's boyfriend right (laughs) you're like it's fine it's fine because 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 Netflix has all the money they need in the world and I can do it it's that integrity thing or like you have a cart you know I'm you've heard me talk about carts I have a serious issue with cart if I ever ever see you in a store and I see you push that cart to the curb and prop it up and not push it back to the thing and you have a Journey Church sticker on your car, I'm taking it. I'm just gonna come up and I'm gonna scrape it off. But you live in the gray, what do you do? I just, I'm just boosting the economy, giving some young punk a job. He's making $15 an hour anyways. You know I made $5.25 on minimum wage. Right? So you got see, you get all spiritual, like you gotta teach him a lesson, like that's your job. Live in the gray. Remember when movie theaters were a thing? And it was like $17 for a Kit Kat. And you'd walk into the dollar store and get that same Kit Kat for a dollar and shove it into your pockets and in your purse, bring an extra bag. And everybody else does it, so it's fine, right? Just because everybody else does it doesn't mean it's right. And it's this great thing. I did it in college all the time. I would take my card and I would... I would scan it. That's how you went to chapel, right? So we should, maybe we should implement that here. Like we know how many times you go to church. So at chapel, you'd have to scan your ID card and that's how they kept track of you. They lied to us, integrity, and told us if you didn't go more than 85% of the time, nobody would ever hire you, right? So I don't even know where my, where my, my GPA thing is at, whatever it's called. I, my, my, my form they give you when you graduated is in the closet at Limerick and so it's never been displayed anywhere. And nobody ever asked about chapel, but I remember I was like, I got at least I got to go scan in. So I developed this habit called scan and scram. And I would scan, and I would walk. I would walk into the chapel. I'd go up to the to the to the balcony, and I would act like I was looking for somebody, and then I would pretend I saw them, and I was going to walk down and come back in, and I would walk out. I did this in class. They would take roll, They would take roll. And then they would start praying. And we were in Bible college. The the professors would pray for 35 minutes of the 50-minute class. And they would start bowing their head and, oh, Lord, and all this stuff. And as soon as they closed their eyes, I I would get on my hands and knees like an Army person, and I would shimmer out of the class. And I just lived in the gray all the time. It's just who I was until I married a black and white person. She ruined everything. and, and it, you see it in scripture what, what does satan do he quotes scripture hey man jump down the angels will catch you it says it somewhere in the bible i read it one time jesus i'm not gonna put him god to the test i'm, I'm here to go through this i'm coming out on the other end get away from me but so many times we, we live in the gray not understanding you either have integrity or you don't have integrity you know what another time that i've lost my integrity is when i've said i was going to do something and my commitment to what I was going to do ended up costing me. You ever been there? Like I'm going to do this, and then it gets costly. You're like, never mind, never mind. I won't do it. And I remember years ago, some, there's some things my dad has said to me, my mom, that that I literally, I was like, a, I I just hear it in my head. And in years and years and years ago, those classes that I was sneaking out of college. I ended up having a semester where I, I dropped out of, I, had, I started with six classes. I dropped out of three, and I finished nine, nine, nine credits with a D average. Bible college. I'm teaching you right now. <laughs> God is funny, right? And so, and I did that in the classes. I had all these excuses. Talked about my, my professors are so boring. I'm so tired. I'm so tired at 9, 8 o'clock, and it's so early. I keep i got to take this class at 8 o'clock. And just, I gave my dad all these excuses. I'm tired. You know, I'm all that. I'm living in the gray because technically I'm going to class, but I'm crawling out. I don't even know what the class is about. I'm dropping out of classes because I'm failing, but I didn't tell my parents because I was also supposed to get married, and I didn't want them to not let me get married. So I'm living in the gray end up all coming to a head because here's the thing my dad told me even years before that here's what he said he said Steve your sins always find you out that's one of those things your parents say that's rude (laughs) here's what he was saying let's not be fake one of the things I hate the most about church is it creates an atmosphere an atmosphere of religious theatrics you know what that is we know how we're supposed to act when we get here and so we turn it on when we get here and when we leave we go another week i'm fine one of my favorite parts about church is when the holy spirit comes in and says hey man, i see you you're dumb i love you let's change and somebody goes i'm tired of living the way that i'm living here i am and i'm gonna humble myself before you and what i reveal to you you can heal God, I want you to heal me. So in this moment, my dad looked at me and and after he said, your sins eventually find you out. He says, Steve, if you ever wanna become the man you're supposed to be, a man of integrity, a good husband, a pastor, you're going to school to be a pastor, I'm not sure if you're gonna do it. He said, you gotta do what you say you're gonna do. You you gotta do, in in other words, think, think about your walk with Christ. You ever invite somebody to church and they're like, nah, nah, why? Because I watch you. I see your habits. I'm your neighbor. I see how many Sundays you skip. I see that during football season, church is optional. I see that your kid's in gymnastics on Sunday. It's optional. I see that you retired last week. It's optional. I saw that you said that you're dedicating your baby and you got baptized. That was really cool. I saw that picture that you got baptized and you gave your full life to Christ. But from my understanding of what that looks like, you haven't so when you get to that point where you're that consistent and you're doing what you say you're gonna do and that consistency has earned you influence right I'll begin to trust you and I'll, and I'll follow you towards Jesus but first you need to get to Jesus See, that's the problem with so many of us We're like I want my friends to come to church can't take somebody where you're not can't take somebody where you're not so start it starts with you are, are you are you whole today Are you you who you are no matter who's watching? Do you follow through with your commitments? Are you a person of your word? Do you keep your word even when it hurts? Do you have integrity? Would you stand to your feet all over our houses? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Here's the question. I think some people would ask, what do I do if I don't? What do I do if I don't? Because there's nothing worse than a sermon where truth is preached and no exit ramp is given. So you're just loaded with truth, but no freedom. And I told you the part that I hate about church and the atmosphere and the environment that it creates is so many times church is one of the most fake places in the world. We smile, we shake hands, we say, somebody asks us how we're doing, we say we're blessed or highly favored or whatever stupid church thing people say I know because I do it you go to pastors events another pastor say how you doing best year of my life greatest year ever I'm blessed and highly favored I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed moonwalking out and in my heart I'm going man this was the worst year ever there's difficulties on every way I'm stressed out I don't even know how to do this parenting thing anymore my kids are teenagers now they went from zero to 100 And i need help and i I think church so many times but the the best part of church is when we we drop that crap and we get into the presence of a loving god a forgiving god a grace-filled god and we say man i'm not who i'm supposed to be my wife don't even know this about me my husband doesn't even know this about me but i am not who i'm supposed to be see what what you hide in your life continues to hold you it imprisons you what you reveal to god He'll heal. He'll take. He'll begin to set you free. So maybe you're not whole today. Maybe you're not a person of integrity. Before you can even get to the influence part, some of you, like I have so many friends, I want to know Jesus, and I have such a heart for this world. Before you even get to that point, are you who you're supposed to be? Are you where you're supposed to be? Who are you when no one's watching? And in this moment, maybe you would come to the conclusion, the understanding, man, I'm am, I am not. I'm not who I want to be. I'm dealing with hidden sin and, and shame. Here's the good news, friend. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. He already knows it about you, but he loves you more than you can imagine. And he deeply and desperately wants you to walk in freedom, the freedom that he won on the cross 2,000 years ago. See, he didn't just win in the desert he didn't just win in private that private victory set him up to publicly dis- be displayed on the cross as a symbol of the love of god to be put into a tomb and on the third day the bible says that he the son of god rose in power and it's through him we have forgiveness of sins and we have the promise of an eternity with him not because we're good and not because we're perfect but because we humble ourselves before him. So come on, maybe that's you. You're tired of being fake. You're tired of hiding. You're tired of holding. You're ready to walk in freedom. This is your moment. i can make you come forward. I'm going to point you out to people. But I want you to remember this day, 24th of October, 2021. That's the day that I remember at the end of the experience, the church service that I was in, that I got myself right with God. That I stopped walking in darkness and I stepped into what the Bible calls a marvelous light. And he's here. No matter what you bring in, no matter what you hold, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're struggling with, he's a God that loves and a God that changes. And he's a God that will receive you today. So I'm gonna ask you a question. If the answer is yes to this question, just in a simple step of obedience, both here in Montgomeryville, I just want you, when I ask you this question, if your answer is yes, just shoot your hand straight up. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's paying attention. They got their own problems, their own situations. But uh, me and you and God, we're here. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm struggling with a lot of personal demons. There's a lot of things in my life that I've hidden, that I struggle with. But today I want to give them to Jesus Christ, and I want to walk into freedom, and I want to step into the future that he has for me. If that's you all over our houses, front to back, side to side, and I'm talking to you, you know I am. And you say, hey, that's me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, you're speaking to me. There's hand, hand, hand. Yes, anybody else? <laughs> hand, hand, yeah. Another hand. Turn <laughs> Montgomeryville, just Hold your hand up. Let me know you're praying. I'm praying with you as we close. Hey, church, let's begin to pray. Lord, thank you for loving us. And thank you that your gospel is a gospel of hope and forgiveness. And thank you, Lord, that people have come into this place and they were carrying so much baggage, so much sorrow, so much regret. Darkness feels like it overwhelms them. Their bitterness eats them away. Their anger drives them their mind is filled with wrath and hatred but Jesus we step out of the way and we allow you to come into our lives right now Lord, your spirit right now is filling us right now and when your spirit comes in Lord grace and love and mercy and hope they fill us up Lord where there was hopelessness Lord you're restoring and you're setting free Lord, we're giving you our baggage we're giving you our sin we're, we're just giving it to you today and we're stepping in and the Bible says that in this moment by faith in Jesus Christ alone we become a brand new person the old is dead and gone a new day has come and so when we leave this place what was true of us when we got here no longer true of us i give you everything that we are Lord not only are you going to save us but you're going to work through us Lord, thank you for this, church. There's nothing more significant in our lives than influence. Lord, it starts with integrity. So Lord, would you develop a church that is filled with your integrity, that that, that lives our lives, both, both as followers of you here in church, but even more importantly, when we walk out of these doors. In everything we think, everything we say, everything we do, we want to reflect you. Lord, it's not just so we can become religious, or better. But Lord, we want to make an impact on this earth. We want to impact the people that work with us, the family that we have, the schools that we're in, the people that we drive by everywhere we go. Jesus, we want to bring you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you for this calling. Thank you for this mission. Thank you for continuing to build this church. In Jesus' name we pray. One more time, let's shout amen together. Let's clap together all over this house. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.